Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. All right, welcome everyone. I am so glad you are here for this episode of my podcast. I am thrilled today. Not only do I get the pleasure of sitting with um, a really talented clinician, but also a dear Dear friend, um, we go way back. So this is a treat. It's part of why I love doing these things. So today we are, we have a treasure with us, Dr. Annie Chung. Welcome, Annie. Hi, Laura. So nice to be with you. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, this is, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, Annie, I know, like Annie and I go, wait, we did our training together. We've hung out in the same places and spaces clinically. Both of us have a ton of school experience, but yeah, let, let my listeners know folks tuning in, Annie, what, what experience, um, as a professional and person brings you to this seat right now? 
Oh boy. So many, many moons ago, <laughs> 20 plus years ago, Laura and I crossed paths at Kapiolani Medical Center in Oahu. And then she ended up here on Kauai as a child psychologist working uh, with the Department of Education as a contractual basis. And she said, hey, there's jobs over here. Come on <laughs> over. And you can play in the ocean when you're not working. <laughs> so that's how I landed here on Kauai 20 plus years ago. And was pretty much housed predominantly at a middle school and also worked with all other age groups. But my main home away from home was in a middle school environment for the last 20 plus years. And then in the last year, I transitioned to private practice. Yeah. And for folks who are in different places and spaces in the world, middle school for us here on Kauai is sixth to eighth grade. So that's that's like... 11 to 14, more or less. Correct. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, because middle school is different for yep. places internationally and even other parts of the mainland. Yeah, definitely. So I thought, Annie, today we would just chat because I, I have spent more of my time with both younger kids and older kids, but then did a couple of years also distinctly with middle school. And I just remember, um, and now have a middle school aged child that I'm parenting. And so I very often am struck with how distinct this period of development is. And, you know, you and I were connected quickly ahead of time. I want to start right out the gate for parents and other clinicians tuned in with like, what is wonderful about this time? Because too often we sort of, you know, want to lie exhaustedly in the road about parenting kids this age. And we may get to some of why it can be tricky, but but help out the parents, you know, reasons to stay hopeful and positive about this part of development. <laughs> totally. And first off, my hat's off to parents everywhere. You are doing such amazing work and it's hard work. So I commend you all, including you, Laura. <laughs> I was a middle schooler currently. And in my work with the kids and parents over the years, it's also such an exciting time because you have an opportunity to cultivate their interests and you see them blossom into their own unique human beings, personalities and sense of humor and how they want to be in the world. And it's really awesome because then you're not having to focus on all the like behavior stuff with younger kids um and they need you a little less but need you in a different way so oh, that's I, I really i know i really like that right yeah it's true like some stuff starts to solidify they can do things more independently and they're and they really are like some of the distinct parts of who they are just just are around more consistently so um I think it's a really, I remember reading once and seeing once that the, that the human brain changes as much between the ages of 11 and 14 as it did between zero and three. It is so, I would have to say that's so true because they're not these little kids that depend on you solely anymore, but they're not independent enough to always make real sound, rational decisions <laughs> without some guidance. And then in between that is all the physiological changes that are happening at such a rapid pace. You know, you see someone coming into middle school as an 11-year-old, and by the time they leave as a 14-year-old, the span of changes are enormous. 
not only physically, but how they interact with people, how they present themselves, what they're thinking about. It's such a cool developmental stage to see and witness. Yeah, and I think, right, and if parents really, if you think, I mean, that's, imagine your three-year-old and how that three-year-old was different from your one-month-old. Most people are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's huge. But when you really imagine, I remember thinking too, like the difference between sixth grade and eighth grade, I would sort of say, in a nutshell, I was like, the sixth graders are kind of like a pile of puppies. They're goofy and playful and fall around on each other. And the eighth graders are way too cool for school. And the seventh graders flip flop back and forth between puppies and cool kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to, I would describe that as well, too. It's just, and everything in between, like some days, and it's not consistent. Like one day it's like, oh, mom, I really need you. Dad, I really need help with this. And the next day is like, don't be around me. I don't even look at you. I don't even know who you are. Yeah. No, I and I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think in terms of parenting, what we want to what we want to hold for folks today is that like, okay, so given that there are a ton of physiological changes, their their brain is driving all kinds of development, puberty kicks in for different kids at different times with different intensities, so you've got hormone changes, brain changes, social changes. School has often changed for kids. They've gone from having one teacher who knows them all day or two teachers, you know, with a special teacher here and there to having seven or eight. So navigating school is different. Bodies are different. Brains are different. Um, like what are, what are some of the things that, that you see parents needing support with? You said that they don't, it's not, they need you less in some ways, but they need you differently. What would you say about that? Totally. Um, middle schoolers, these tween years, they still need parents to provide some structure and have limits and expectations and consequences, both positive and negative, in order to thrive. They still need to know, here's kind of the structure of day-to-day -day routines. It makes sense for them, even though they may buck it, they really need it. I think that's a key. This is the age, um, unless you've had the pleasure of parenting a child who's pushed limits for years before tweenhood, um, it may be an age where you get more of that, where they are just adamant they don't need rules. Nobody has a bedtime. Nobody has screen limits. Nobody else, uh, you know, has guidelines about where they can and can't go out in the neighborhood or whatever. Without that, they they actually feel unsafe. Totally. Uh, yeah. So so having some kind of um, outline bumpers, you know, bumpers like in a bowling alley or you know like hallway walls that you're holding in at a certain place. Totally, like a frame. Yeah. It's like a frame. Yeah. Yeah. So not to not second guess yourself as parents. I think it's a point at which parents are like, okay, I know they need to learn to be independent. How do I know when they're ready for this more independence? Yes. Do I yeah. just back off because they, if they're telling me this is what they need and I want them to learn, should I step back? Kind of a thing. And, and yeah, it's. Yeah. It's a total dance. I think it's a total dance because you as parents know your, your kids the best. You're with them. You've nurtured them to this point. So at this juncture, a lot of it too, I would have to say, is about actively listening to them, like hearing them without interjecting too much. And this is a hard part when you're getting rapid fire 
I don't want to do that. That doesn't make sense to me. As a parent, just stay as calm as possible to hear and listen and then reflect back to them what you heard and then pause. That That's actually a huge... It sounds, it sounds so straightforward and it's hard to do. So with your kids screaming, like, I can hear you're upset about that. You're like, yeah, I'm upset. Yeah. yeah. It's uncomfortable, you know, like, I'm sure this is frustrating. And then just wait, right? Like, how can I, wait. yeah, how can I support you? You can, you know, let me go. Well, you know. I'm sure that, you know, and, that's what you'd like. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to say, giving yourself a permission as a parent to say, hey, you know what? I need a moment to gather my thoughts and my emotions. I'm taking a break. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll come back to it. Yeah. And we can talk about it later than today when we're both in a better space. And also models for your kids that it's okay to take a break and regroup. Yeah, it's okay to have the feelings because that's the other thing, right? Is that very often kids demand something or kids have an issue and we get into problem solving it, right? We want to just make it clear, you know, it's a, if they're asking us for something, yes or no, or doing other things, like just accept the answer. I shouldn't have to explain myself. You know, it's like, but, right, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to explain this when what your kid needs is being heard, being understood. The same is true when they're having feelings that were like, you shouldn't be having these feelings. So whenever as parents, we were finding ourselves thinking, I shouldn't have to tell this kid or they shouldn't be having these feelings. They shouldn't need uh, help doing this. Like back, back up because uh, they, yeah. they do what should or shouldn't isn't going to help you right now. It is what it is. And being able to reflect and hold space and also be able to say, this is, this is a lot, you know what I mean? Or like the other thing that we talk about, I need to take a break. I need a moment to collect my thoughts. Also the whole, like, I'm, I'm really sorry you're upset. Yeah. You're allowed to have every feeling under the sun in the house, but yeah. when you're expressing your anger that way, we need to, we need to take a break. We need, you know, step back. You need to go to your room. I'm going to go to mine. Let's regroup later. Like, yeah. I think there's a real art for parents, especially as kids get older, to being able to say, you know, hey, uh, hey, buddy, I understand why you're upset, and, I'm, <laughs> and I and I, I wish things had gone differently. It's not okay to to speak in that tone when you are upset, and like, so how to keep one of the fundamental things that kids struggle with and parents too is to separate feelings from actions. Yeah. That's a huge one because I think it's um, when emotion laden topics come up, we all are charged about it and have strong feelings about it, which like we just talked about is totally okay. We can have those feelings, big, small, in between, rageful, angst, passionate, that's part of it and separating out. Okay. I have these feelings, but what can I do with them? Yep. Yeah. How, what's yeah. it? What's an okay way for me to express yeah. my anger for me to express right. my sadness as a parent right. how do we say i'm sorry you're hurting i'm sorry this is hard yeah. and i think when i first suggest that to parents and they try it then kids immediately the first time first or second kids immediately respond wait don't be sorry oh you're really sorry and then i want to fight with you about you saying like i'm sorry that's hard and you just have to stick to your guns and 
stay balanced and say, yeah, there's a lot going on right now. I wish it had gone differently. Like there's a few phrases. I wish this were different as well. You know, I can see this is really unsettling. Like, ah, what are, yeah, no wonder it's frustrating. You know, something along where you're reflecting what's coming back to you. But you, you may have to do it a couple times. It isn't that when you, when you are reflecting a kid's feeling that they're suddenly going to go, oh, I feel so seen. And <laughs> the first no. time. No. Or I've heard from other parents, too, that's just like, why are you being so embarrassing right now in response to a reflective balance? <laughs> like, this is oddly rational, and I don't recognize it from you. Like, it's making me anxious. Well, because I think this is true, right? If, if you're continuing, and we all are as parents, to work on these skills, it may be kind of unexpected for your kid if you're suddenly like Buddha out, you know, around like, okay, you're, it's okay. Whenever I'm right here, when you've calmed down, they may, it, it can feel like a change. It can feel like somebody yanked a carpet a little bit because they don't know what to expect. So, so it's a teaching process over time that you're going to try to just hold space for those feelings. And, and really, I think the active listening is so important, like staying connected with your kid comes through listening to them when they're struggling. It doesn't come through solving every negative feeling. It doesn't come through preventing. Goodness knows we can't prevent negative feelings as much as we'd like to. It comes from being with them when they're when they're in it. I don't know if that resonates with you. No, absolutely. And a part of that is having put into their emotional piggy bank, all the positives that you acknowledge and recognize with them as these tweens that are becoming their own human beings and their own personalities, right? So then it makes the discipline and the consequences easier. So when you've recognized, hey, you've been such a kind person and helpful, and I see you doing all these great things, you're creative, artistic, and acknowledge those things. I think the more that parents can vocalize that for, their children and not just focus on the grades or the placement in a competition, but more of who they are as a human being, then it, I think it gets easier when you have to have these hard conversations and say no. I like that. The emotional piggyback, right? So if you're making deposits all along, when we catch our kids being good, right? Yes. And we think about that a little bit more easily. I don't know why it's more accessible to us in toddlers. Oh, nice sharing, buddy. You know, like we hear things like that more often as you're chasing a kid around the playground, but it's equally important to catch your kid being good, to notice when they're trying to do the right thing, when they've been helpful or thoughtful so that when when you do have to make what feels like a withdrawal <laughs> from the <PB. laughs> by saying no and setting limits and, and giving corrective feedback, yeah. they, it, it's not as, it's not as hard hitting because they feel seen as whole and it's part of a checks and balances system, not just like the next thing they messed up or the next yeah. thing that we're frustrated with and recognize too, that they still need it. I think when you see when puberty kicks in and you get a little more distance and you get a little bit more gruff and you get a little bit like, I don't need you. I'm an Island. And I got this all on my own. We forget that they still need the catching being good. Um, and the recognition that 
that you do see when when they're contributing to family and society and, and living with in line with family values, all that stuff is really important to name. Absolutely. And naming it specifically, I agree with you that it's easier, seems easier when kids are little. You know, it's easier to say, oh, great job. You did this, X, Y, Z. You help clean up. You help mommy. You do bath time. But when they're middle schoolers, these tween years, sometimes parents feel maybe a little awkward about naming those things that they see in their kids. And yet I think that's a real pivotal part of imparting nurturing and wisdom and letting kids know that you are seeing them in action and you value them as a human being. Yeah. Well, what do you say to parents who are trying to figure out whether to let their kid withdraw? Oh, like this is an independence age, right? And a separation age. And you're going to get yes. more closed doors. You're going to get more yes. music playing in rooms. You're going to get yeah. more, I don't want to go with you when you go. And it's okay yeah. for kids to be alone and depending on your kid and their age, right? Like there are yeah. more options for kids to tag out um, totally. at this age. What are your thoughts about how to balance that? Yeah, I think obviously kids need some independence and time with themselves. And they need to know that they're still part of a family, whatever your family looks like, <laughs> that they need to be uh, contributing to family and participating in family. And so that might be, okay, have an hour to yourself and we're going to go do a chore, an errand. We're going to go to a family event. We're going to go to this you know, picnic we talked about going to. So it's, a, it's definitely a, a balance to strike. Yeah. And also giving kids some options, right? Like, okay, this weekend we have three things lined up to do as a family and you're saying you want to tag out. Okay, so choose the other two activities that you're going to go with us. Yeah, giving kids the, not even just perception of choice, but choice also helps. Like trusting them to be able to make decisions. Right, exactly. So here are the, this is the scenario for the weekend. You can tag out of one. All right. Yep. So if you tag out of that one, that means we'll have to come get, you know, this, this kind of thing and just help teach kids to anticipate, teach them yeah. to reason through, but also it does give them some agency in saying, you know, time to myself feels important. But I think it, it, it is also a place where even kids will tell you they don't want limits. Kids will tell you they'd like a lot of time alone, but, but both require parents to recognize that developmentally, they need a framework for, hey, you know what? If we're doing a tech-free, nobody's doing tech in their rooms tonight. We're all coming into the living room to watch them. I mean, even though it's still tech, when you're yeah. watching characters and responding to the same movie and can have conversations later and reference back yeah. to scenes and people. So, you know, any kind of a way to spend time. I, I think parents also tell ourselves that we have to have like the amusement park on Saturday to have like an eight hour excursion where sometimes it's as simple as checking in at tuck in time or bedtime or walking the dog for 15 minutes or sitting out in the yard and looking at stars and seeing, you know, what you can see that it can be 20 minutes of, of eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder time. And that 
really resonates with kids. It can be easy to get into our routines and not it's tune in. It's so easy, and you just touched on a huge thing. That's going to be for probably another podcast, social <laughs> media, tech stuff with this age group. We can go on and on about that. <laughs> but I do totally support and agree with you a thousand percent that there's an evening that's like tech-free time, even screen-free, even yeah. one yeah. night, right? Just to say we as a family, we're going to have dinner without interruptions from screens, devices, and we're just going to chat, right? Yeah, and because it's so, yeah, parents get in their list of things to get done. Kids are just as happy to be entertained by the changing. This this age group in particular, I think, is so influenceable and so motivated to look around and see what others are doing and to to fit in and blend in and and know what's happening and be in the know. Um, I think that's another thing I would say too, um, for this age group as parents, watch the temptation to overshare, like honestly, and grown up stuff. Like there are still boundaries between what your tween needs to understand about family functioning, about adults in your family's lives. But I think I see a lot of kids this age try to connect with their parents through like pushing for information about adults, about marriages, divorces, the other parent, the whatever. And, and, and parents start to lean on kids. Like they share their frustrations or they share information about emotions because, because these kids are giving you glimpses of, of being a more mature self. And I've seen lots of parents overload their kids. Like, and then the next day that kid is a puppy again. And you can't believe that they have this information about Uncle Stan or grandma or your ex, or you, you know what I mean? Like whatever notice just remember they're still little kids in the emotional realm and need some buffering from um, that hard stuff in families and whatever your stresses and worries are. Do you see that yeah. too? Yeah, I definitely see that because kids can present as really insightful and much more mature. And in some ways they really are because they are developing, yeah. but they don't yet have the capacity to decipher and filter through a lot of adult content, even yeah. though they may be exposed to it everywhere else in their setting. Right, so they're, they're saying they know it's... the terms, right? Yes. They know like catchphrases, they see it maybe in other families about, you know, people having substance abuse problems, yeah. marital problems. And in the moment, it seems like maybe they can handle it, but sometimes the overload of information does create unnecessary angst for them. And then you as a parent too. Yeah. I've seen with the social media stuff too. The other thing that I've seen with this age group, um, a lot of talk about mental health, um, a ton, like, and it goes from, you know, multiple personality disorders yeah. to bipolar disorder to, um, uh, borderline personality. There's like these diagnoses that are in vogue that kids in social media are talking about. And they're, and they're, they, I don't know. It's an interesting where kids are trying things on at this 
time of life. They're getting exposure to terminology. They're becoming familiar with an overview of topics, but then they sort of cling to stuff in ways that can be curious for folks around. So they'll sound as if they have a handle on stuff, um, but they're really still just wading into it. And I think for parents, our job is not to say that explicitly to them. Our job yeah. is not to say to them, oh, you really don't have any idea what you're talking about or, oh, what? That's way over your head. It's more like, oh, I can hear you're curious about that. Like, I'm so, yeah, that's interesting to me that you're being introduced to that stuff. Wow. I don't remember being introduced to that. What do you think about all that? Like, how do you understand it? Absolutely open. Open-ended questions. Do not assume your kid actually knows the meaning of the terms they've just thrown around. Yeah. Um, try to check in for what's really going on. Yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, totally, because I think there's that's a way for kids at this age group and older teens, too, to connect with their peers. That's what seems to be happening social media-wise. Like, they look up different terms or they self-identify. And then they find connection with other kids that are self-identifying as autism spectrum, bipolar, ADHD. And then it sounds like they're trying to create some in-groups. So as parents, I think, as you just said, just be curious about, tell me what you know about this and where are you getting this information? I'm just really wondering. Yeah, yeah. Open-ended questions that we want to do when we're thinking about tips, right? It's like... (laughs) remembering the brain is changing and the body is changing, um, active listening, reflecting that you, you see your kid is struggling and you wish it were different. You know, what do they need? Um, try not to take the bait at getting in circular arguments, take a break if you need to ask open ended questions, stay curious. Stay curious. And along those lines, I wanted to share just a yeah. few open-ended yeah. questions that seem to be helpful. Oh, that's awesome. Being group, right? So as parents, we get into a habit of like, how's your day? What did you do? Do you have homework? And the u- usual responses for this age group are, eh, no homework. Okay. <laughs> that's really common. <laughs> right. Perhaps maybe trying some of these on like... Oh, so tell me one thing that you really liked that happened today. What was one good thing that happened today? Yeah. Getting them a little bit more curious about reflecting on their day. Yeah. 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 And perhaps something like, okay, so what was one thing that was maybe upsetting or didn't go well for you today? Yep. Getting more specific and getting them to reflect a little bit more. And then how did you handle it? Because like you talked about before and what we mentioned before, it's easy to go into parenting mode and fix it. But it's also a time for kids to be able to think about, you know, what are my choices? What are what's my responsibility here? And can I take accountability? Yeah, for that. So, yes. How did you handle that? Right. If you had any do overs today, what would they be? Right. Like if you could subtract any part of today, if you could, you know. Yeah, I think it's really because there are a lot of parents who are defeated by the shrug. <laughs> yes. It's so easy to be like, oh. And then when we're thinking about this age group too, like really like thinking about what values we want to impart with them. So with so much tumult in our society, you know, as parents, you're so instrumental in 
nurturing kindness and inclusivity, acceptance, um, and support, right? So those things we can continue to nurture when we ask kids things like, okay, so what did you do to help someone out today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, how were you a helper today? Right? Yeah. And that, because I think parents start to worry. It's natural for kids to turn toward their peers. It's natural for kids to look outward to figure out who they are and where they fit. But there's an arc, right? There's sort of a rainbow of development where they will go forth, go out there, try things on. And if you've been able to stay consistent in your family values and, and what you believe, you know, is purpose and why you're here and how you be a helper and do good things and um, give love and get love and all that good stuff, they, they boomerang back. They come back. They come back. <laughs> they come back. They come back. It may not feel like it in the moment, but it does come back. Yeah. And I think too that the that that actually and and some kids don't. You know, I talk to some some people will say, "Oh, my kid was super sweet and connected." I mean, like not not all kids do their separation and individuation with huge feelings and drama and slam doors. Some kids do it later. Some kids do it in their 20s. Some kids do it in their 40s. <laughs> like, but, but separation is healthy. Like you actually want your kids to be able to reason through why they think the way they do, even if their conclusions aren't the same as yours are, right? So I also think it's an interesting time in terms of ways to teach kids values. That's a great time to share screens or to share soccer like what did you notice about the way that referee handled this or that you know the soccer game or boy that theater cast really seemed to do like whatever it is that you're you're observing or noticing out in the world news social media i mean honestly sit and watch some social media i mean believe me and i say this and chuckle like i have to take a deep from the core of the bottom of my being i have to take a deep breath and eyes wide open like i'm interested i'm interested in what you're watching but you know like try i do have to rally i have to rally in order to to be interested in the things my kids think think are interesting online and yet it's actually pretty cool and even when i'm having a strong reaction to what they're watching, it can still be really helpful to just be like, wow, that stands out. Well, what do you like about that creator? Oh, right. oh, I don't like that. Language. What did you think about that language? That word was kind of, what word language would you use? Or like, oh, that's cool. The way they did this, like joining in their world sometimes too is helpful in terms of keeping that bridge. I think, you know, as we think about wrapping up today and looking at how do you stay connected? I mean, there's a bridge. You you want some kind of tether, a bridge that yes. that allows for space on either side of the river, but also meeting places in between. And sometimes okay. we have to go to them for the nighttime back rubs and snuggles and card games and shared, you know, interests. Sometimes it's inviting them across the bridge for a family outing. Um, but, but that connection piece of listening, 
catching them being good, apologizing when we make mistakes, and recognizing. I mean, what I often say to parents too is, if we feel like our kid is on a bit of a roller coaster ride and going back and forth between puppy and cool kid when we're in the room with them, imagine what it's like being in that body. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe you remember, right? Maybe you remember what middle school is like. Maybe you don't, but like, like trying to have empathy for the fact that they're, yeah, synapses, hormones, brains, all of it's just going um, pretty nutty. Is there, is there anything else that you'd like to, that you want to think about in terms of tips? I love the open-ended questions and the active listening. Anything else that you want to highlight as we wrap up? As we wrap up, you know, my hats again, hats off to you, all of you as parents, especially with the tween population, know that you being there for your kids, to hear them, to listen to them, to support them in having that space to, to try on different things, problem solve on their own. You are their anchor. That's a nice way of saying that. And, and I think it can be like to be able to withstand when emotions are high, when they're challenging. I mean, there is some flexibility, right? As you said, it's a dance. How do I hold my ground, but also recognize when they do need to learn for themselves? Set a framework and then be there if they bounce a little bit, right? And be able to stay, stay in it because it is an exciting time for kids to develop interests, try new things, seek out people. I mean, I think one of the big things I think about too, right? Kids are connecting with other kids. They're trying interests. They're watching stuff. And if your first reaction is, Oh wow, they're trouble. Like, Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what are you noticing about how they are talking to you? What are you noticing about how they're talking to me? What are you noticing about, um, when they're shy, do they make a lot of requests of you? Like with friends and that kind of stuff, right? Like who seems like they'd be, you know, super steady and secret keeping who seems like they might be a little drama. Like just asking these questions. Like I remember when I, you know, like my one friend boy, she was a lot of fun, but Oh my goodness. There were lots of little fireworks whenever she was around. Like, do you have a firework friend? Like just and to have these conversations when you're driving, when you're washing dishes, when you're, you know, like just casually so that you're not waiting for a big blow up with friends to say, I told you so. Or it's like intentionally creating spaces where you get curious about what your kids noticing about their friendships, what they're noticing about their media, what they're noticing about the news, what they're noticing about justice and injustice and the things that are being the values for me. Like... It really, honestly, even just start like, what are you noticing is a great way to, to have an open ended conversation or which character in that show that we watch do your friends remind you of like that friend is, is giving so-and-so vibes, you know, whatever. And, and just, what do you think? And just making time to still play. I think that would be a great place to sort of end like finding where your kid plays at all if they play what does that look like when can they still be silly is it cards is it heads up games is it music guessing with alexa is it riding a bike somewhere is it thrashing around in water or what like where does your kid get to still um 
let down their guard or they can feel really guarded at this point. And they can also feel really under a microscope. Yeah. Like they're convinced, honestly, it's one of the things I find fascinating. They're convinced that the entire world is watching them all the time. <laughs> like everywhere they are, they're convinced that everybody can see everything. And I'm like, when can they actually let their guard down and just play and stay connected? So, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Annie Chung, for um, being part of this. I know we could go on for hours and hours and follow several different chains, but I just wanted to give a snapshot for folks. These these tween years are distinct. Uh, there's a lot happening. There's more independence to come. And so it's a great time to keep building those communication and connection skills. So. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me, having me on, Dr. Anderson. It's great to see, spend time with you this way, too. Always. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined, and I hope you are, too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.